How's it, everyone? Welcome to the latest Rainmaker Marketing Podcast. My name is Andrew Patterson, Head of Strategy here. And today we are super privileged to have Keelan and Lovo join us for a conversation. Uh, Keelan is a seasoned expert in the property market. Um, he made his market standlip, um, growing assets to almost 30 billion. After leaving in 2021, he's now an independent force. Um, he's using his wealth of experience to shape the industry as a thought leader. Welcome, Keelan. How are you doing? Thank you. Thank you, Andrew. How are you? Yes, very good. Thanks. Um, thanks for joining us today. We really appreciate it. You're welcome. Nice to be here. So let's dig straight into it. So you you took a break um, after Stanlib, which gave you a bit of a unique opportunity to step back from the work environment. How did this time away shape your outlook on South Africa and and motivate you to continue in that sort of property market space? Yeah, it's been good. Uh, I've been in the market for almost uh, 17 years. Uh, property for me, it's fine. It's a hobby. But got to a point where you just need to uh, take time off, uh, take a break. And the timing was quite interesting because it was just around uh, when COVID was ending. So we're going through the transition uh, in terms of our lifestyles and uh, in the markets as well. So it's a good time just to relax, um, switch off and uh and most of all, I uh, took time to travel, uh, mostly around South Africa, before the world uh, opened. So it's a good time to see some places that you never really get to uh, see. You're always busy with the big cities, Joburg, Devon, Cape Town, Pretoria. So I managed to go deeper into South Africa, get a sense of uh, how beautiful, one, the country is, and the vast opportunities available in uh, different uh, markets. Uh, some actually amazing. We see this good infrastructure, and then some you can see over time where things are deteriorating. So you get a sense of where the growth opportunities are, where the development opportunities are as well, and where you can see a uh, place where there's population growth, that there's also opportunities, especially in the non-metropolitan areas, in the former township areas, rural areas as well, huge growth opportunities. And you can see now, even some of the funds listed and unlisted are growing into that uh, space. Yeah, that's interesting. I think that's a topic we want to touch on uh, just now. But I mean, we know that township retail is becoming a new growth engine for the South African property industry. So we'll we'll get onto that shortly. But just on that trip around SA, what was your most favorite experience or most uh, sort of your best part of that journey? So for me, it's uh, probably doing different things. I enjoyed uh, the game drives all the way to Limpopo, um, Pumalanga. And going down as well to uh, to the Western Cape and part of Eastern Cape as well. I enjoy driving. Uh, so the road trips, stopping in small uh, towns, uh, boutique hotels, enjoying the food and the wine and uh, all those experiences across as well. And most of all, meeting with uh, people. So like when I do research, I always like to talk to the people on the ground as opposed to uh, talking to just management because you get the real input by uh, being on the ground and uh, getting a sense of uh, what an average person does in those different places. We talk about, uh, we'll probably talk more about that later on as well, uh, issues around uh, with this infrastructure, this road network, uh, water issues, service delivery as well. There's some of the issues that uh, relate back to the property market. I mean, if, I suppose we can call the last two years a bit of a sabbatical for you, but you're you're back in the game now. Um, like we said earlier, you, you're quite involved in a lot of conferences and you you putting a lot of thought leadership pieces out. So what is your perspective on the current global real estate sector? 
And how do you find that's influencing the, the local South African property markets? Yeah, so if you look at the South African listed market, uh, on average, we've got about 50% uh, offshore exposure or exposure to offshore markets. And it's mainly in the UK, Australia, and Eastern Europe as well, and, and Europe. So half of that is in the global uh, space. And looking at some of the trends, uh, we've seen changes across most markets. The big one has been uh, post-COVID is the office market. We've seen across the world, that's the least loved uh, sector across uh, the world. And then um, interest rates have been a big uh, issue and with capital values falling across most markets. And you find that the South African market tends to track uh, global markets. We've seen over the last month uh, with the announcement from the Fed that uh, it seems like interest rate hikes uh, will probably reach the peak of the interest rate highs cycle and with all the markets uh, rallying. And South Africa in turn as well has benefited from that. We've seen like a 10% increase or so uh, in listed property prices locally and globally. So it's quite a strong uh, correlation. So office market, similar theme. And the other theme that you see in the most markets is the housing issue. Uh, so I'm, I'm in Dublin as I speak now. Big issues around uh, shortage of uh, housing. When the UK last week, it's the same issue. And Australia as well. Those are the big uh, themes coming out from the global uh, markets. And that creates opportunities as well for, for investors in that uh, space. And in addition to that, with changes in Regulation 28, where uh, pension funds can invest uh, up to 45% offshore compared to 30%, that's also changed the interest of the big shift uh, towards uh, global markets at this stage. Interesting. And just to touch on that accommodation shortage, we know that there is a critical shortage of quality and I guess the, the, the sort of the defining factor here is well-positioned affordable accommodation in our cities. Um, but we've seen over the last while there has been some perennial challenges that are being overcome by certain institutions and, and, and funds and developers. How do you think that's going to grow going into the next couple of years? Yeah, so there's huge opportunities, but most of all, you need government support, uh, subsidies as well to grow into uh, that space. Uh, we're talking to some developers, uh, the cost of construction has gone up as well, probably 20, uh, 30%, and that means the price have to go up. That's number one. And then if you're to buy uh, an apartment or a house, rates have gone up as well. So it's becoming less and less affordable. And it will be more of a, a rental market as opposed to owning, given where the market uh, uh, levels are. So. We need uh, that support, uh, especially in the affordable space. I was working with one institution last week. They're doing research on that, that these huge uh, opportunities grow into that space. But affordability is a big issue. And also, there's uh, given the where the office market is, vacancies are high, uh, 20, even up to 30% in some places, where it's your B-grade or secondary office buildings, there's opportunities for conversion as well into uh, residential but that actually costs uh, quite a bit, but that's uh, another opportunity that can come up in the market. Cool, and I think, I mean, like you were saying, we can honestly see that there has been some dismal returns from some of the top REITs over the last um, 18 months or so, but there are currently some bold investments being made, hopefully some which we're going to see paying off in the next sort of two years or so. Um, how do you see the the REIT infrastructure influencing the current sort of that office conversion to accommodation process that you that you've mentioned now. 
So that's a very big uh, debate going on now. So it comes back to office uh, property valuations. So you find like most office buildings are valued about uh, 10 to 11, 12,000 rand a square meter. Uh, so that's a valuation. But for you to convert uh, this building, it will cost you about, uh, depending on the quality and type, it's between six to 8,000 rand a square meter. So one thing he has to give in here is probably office values or property values coming down if the property company is ready to sell to allow that conversion to happen and to make those buildings viable for people to buy is 10,000 to 12,000 rand a square meter. So that's the challenge. Uh, the office valuations will need to come down to support the conversions. And so speaking of challenges there, I know you touched on it earlier, but what factors do you think have had a, a negative impact on the South African property markets? And what are the, some of the solutions that you think, in your own opinion, can help us overcome them? So the biggest one that we've all been affected by is uh, load shedding. Uh, so it's been a big uh, cost to most landlords and all of us having to buy whether it's generators or installed solar panels and battery uh, technology. So that's the lots of capital expenditure in the property uh, companies. And the other one is disruption in terms of uh, trade. So lost trade, uh, people going to the malls and then some of the retailers as well, well, especially the smaller ones who don't have backup power, they lose out on, on trade. So that's been a big uh, cost uh, when coming to that. Hopefully we'll probably see in the west of load shading as most of the companies have invested a lot of uh, um, technology or equipment or backup power to support uh, that. Other issue that's not so talked about, but it's probably been overshadowed by load shedding is the water issues. Uh, I would call it water shedding. Uh, even look at things, Santin last week didn't have water for two to three days in some areas. Uh, you have to close some of the restaurants, uh, bathrooms are closed. That means people can't go to those places as well. So water is a big issue and uh, there's going to be more and more investment going into uh, that uh, space. But to do that, you need money, you need capital. And that's the reason why property companies, uh, they're not even paying out full uh, dividends or all the earnings to investors to retain some of that money to help uh, support that. And also looking at uh, the challenges with the local authorities or city councils, they haven't delivered to expectations. Yet on the other side, your rates and taxes are, are going up at uh, double digit levels. So you're finding landlords having to do things that are supposed to be done by the local authorities just to keep the buildings viable, to attract tenants as well. Those are some of the challenges as landlords or property companies. Yeah, they and there are some mountains to climb, I think. Uh, but even though we talk about issues and challenges, I know in a recent interview you shared some insights from the SAPOA convention where you believe the market is looking positive. So what are some of the positive attitudes that you can elaborate on where you see the shift happening? So it's uh, just probably timing in terms of the market. So at that time, this property sector had uh, probably been oversold with the stocks uh, trading at up to 45% uh, below uh, net asset value. Yet you've seen transactions. There's been some disposals of transactions happening and they've been happening mostly around uh, book value or probably at worst, maybe 5%, 10% below what the assets are valued at. Yet the market has been priced at like 40 in some instances, even 50%. Like big companies like your growth point, redefined, we're trading at over 50% uh, below uh, book uh, value. So it was one, it was a valuation issue. And then the second point, I guess, uh, load shedding, as I mentioned earlier on, with more and more investment coming in. So you find that uh, at some point when it gets uh, probably better, 
there is investment already, and then you've got the uh, ability to sell maybe excess power to to the to to the grid. And then the other issue was around interest rates. Uh, so every month or so, everyone thinks that interest rates have picked, but you get into that point to where we are picking in terms of the interest rate cycle. So that changes uh, the mood. And also, property companies had finished, they probably done away with giving our tenants uh, the uh, rental relief programs coming from COVID. So that was uh, almost out at that time. Uh, that's uh, probably makes it easier to focus some of those earnings compared uh, to, to, to before. Okay, and so based on that, do you think property is still a viable investment? It's it's a very interesting one. It was at the end of the day, we need somewhere to live in. We need somewhere where to operate our businesses from as well, and somewhere to work from. But then you have to look at the changes in dynamics. Now we're working from home half half the time. Most people, uh, even uh, I was looking at Australia when we were there uh, last month. Even in Ireland, uh, people work three days in the office, and then uh, two days at home. So office market has become less attractive. So you can say maybe office market not as attractive as before, but retail has come back. Retail is back to before COVID uh, levels on average. And the industrial sector, you can also invest in the industrial sector because online shopping has uh, increased across most regions. Like uh, in Dublin, for example, uh, it's gone up from uh, below 3% uh, before COVID to over 6%, so it's basically doubled. So if in logistics, industrial, there's opportunities. And the same story in South Africa as well, where the industrial companies are doing well, vacancies are low. So you can invest in industrial, retail can be selective. We talked about uh, township rural retail as well, opportunities there as well. And then given the semi-migration that's happening in South Africa, the move to the coastal areas, to Western Cape, those markets are actually even much stronger, uh, beat uh, retail offices, big demand. Cape Town CBD is seeing huge increase in demand in terms of uh, office space and rentals, whereas if you look at Jobeg, uh, Pretoria, struggling. So the, you have to look at which markets uh, to invest in. And it's the same story with residential as well. Prices in Kauteng struggling, Western Cape uh, going up, or some of the coastal areas as well. So there are opportunities still in the office, in, in the property market. And I suppose, you know, just talking about work from home and, and the diversification of office and you know, just the the workforce in general, the use of technology in our industry and, and property specifically has grown exponentially over the last while, particularly since COVID. I mean, how do you think the influence of AR and, and you know, sort of technology is going to influence the way we we do our jobs in the future and specifically how we, we look for property investments and how um, developers and funds articulate what is going to be the best way forward for for their for their assets do you have any opinions on that yeah so that's ongoing research uh, so we is probably at the beginning of uh, the ai uh, kind of revolution but the long-term picture is that uh, ai is going to take many jobs uh, or different jobs and that will have an impact on the workforce and that's also impacts the office market so office market coming off covid Working from home, now you've got AI coming through as well. Those are things to watch out for when you look at uh, uh, some segments of the uh, property uh, space. And the big question is, what's going to happen to the excess office uh, space? And that's a big uh, question. We don't have uh, probably clear answers across the world as well, because conversion actually is not easy. I was looking at one of the states, uh, it was actually in Australia. It also applies in South Africa. We talked about the cost of converting. And in some countries, there's regulations on the buildings that uh, how much can you convert? Uh, you need natural light uh, in every section of uh, the uh, the building or the apartments. 
but they've got wide floor plates and doesn't work. Like Australia, for example, so you can convert up to maybe 2 to 3% of the buildings from office to residential. So it's better, even easier to, to demolish some of those buildings and then build afresh. That's uh, more viable. Your personal property buying experiences, I mean, I think we've got one or two more questions to go, but just what has that been like and how has that influenced your future decisions? So I've always, by virtue of my job, it's always been easy. Instead of uh, investing in individual property companies, I've been more of a, a unit trust uh, investor, investing in the property unit trust where it's a pooled portfolio. And then um, I used to invest in the funds that I run. Now I just look for who are the uh, better fund managers uh, out there and then let them do the stock selection. And then I do the thematic research and see whether it's property buy now, is it to sell. In the physical space, I haven't probably invested a lot in terms of individual buildings because always a debate on is it easy to own a building or to invest in a listed company? Let the companies do that work for yourself. So for me, my primary investment uh, is where I live. And then uh, I've also invested, uh, I've joined the uh, Western Cape uh, bandwagon and I've invested in uh, in Cape Town as well. So just to balance, uh, diversification is important. And then over time, I'll probably look at uh, maybe KZN as well, uh, just to be across uh, the uh, uh, South African kind of uh, and landscape, yeah. Okay, so you're, you're staying on trend there, hey? Getting into the Western Cape. Yes, you got to look at where the trends are, where uh, the appetite is, yes. And, and take a long-term view as well. So long-term, I believe some of those markets as well, they've got long-term opportunities. Yes, absolutely. And so I think just uh, just before we, we end off our conversation today, I think next year um, is an election year in South Africa. I think there's a lot of elements that we've spoken about now uh, that can be influenced by that for the foreseeable future. But if you had to summarize your outlook on the property landscape for 2024 specifically, what are those top three things that you think will, will happen? So the big one is, um, let's look at uh, globally as well as interest rates. So what we're seeing now is that we have to be careful and that doesn't mean that when rates go down, then uh, your earnings are going to go up. It will take up to two years for earnings to probably get better. So we might see earnings still negative next year and then maybe flat uh, in 2025 because that huge increase in interest rates of up to just 4% there about, is going, we're going to feel that pain for the next two years. So from an earnings perspective, earnings are still going to be flat to negative, uh, if mostly going to be negative for next year. But then the capital growth, that's where probably there'll be probably more returns as the market prepares for interest rate cuts. The big question is, we don't know when. And then uh, the second point is around locally, around elections. Um, we, it's not quite clear what the outcome is going to be, uh, whether we're going to have coalitions. And we've seen that as well, as I mentioned, uh, with the local authorities and councils as well. It takes time to for things to be done. And then that's probably the risk that you could have next year if it turns out to be like that with lots of changes, whereas the property sector really needs actually the councils uh, to step up as well uh, in terms of uh, uh, delivery. And then the third point is that uh, we might see increased allocation uh, for property. Most balance funds have been underweight listed property. On average, uh, they've been less than 3%, about 25 to 2.8%, whereas during the good times, it was about 6 to 7%. We're unlikely to see the higher numbers, but then the platform uh, creates actually more appetite for local uh, property as well as offshore property, but with a long-term view. Awesome. Thank you so much for that.
And uh, yeah, Kellen, it's been it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on our podcast today. Uh, we really appreciate your time. We know you are a busy person. And um, yeah, any any final words you you'd like to say to the audience? So I, I would say uh, the markets have changed uh, nowadays. So it's, you have to ride through the uh, volatility. So unlike before, where everything was just easy to focus, there's high focus risk, uh, volatility, lots of uncertainty as well, and lots of changes with technology as well. So you have to uh, keep adapting to uh, uh, to the trends and changes, and most of all, uh, take a long term view. Uh, short term, it's not easy nowadays. Yes, we all know that. <laughs> cool. Thanks so much, Keelan. We really appreciate your time. Great. Thank you, Andrew.